Hey guys, Julie Lee here. I just wanted, before the episode starts, to thank you all for all those that have ordered my book, I See You, How Compassion and Connection Save Lives, and my bracelet inscribed with I See You on it. Thank you so much. If you do order off Amazon and you can leave a review, that helps me so much. It helps the book get a wider reach. I want to just highlight one review I received this week from Tasha Miller, five stars, and it's entitled, Everyone Should Read This Book. In my profession life, I have seen depression and anxiety increase dramatically over the last 15 years. In my own personal world, I'm very much an introvert and I don't always know how to reach out to others. This book helps me in all areas. I love Julie and her willingness to be real and vulnerable. Thank you so much, Tasha, for leaving that review. And I would agree, I think that we have seen a pretty big increase in depression and anxiety. And I'm so grateful to be able to put something out into the world that can hopefully be helpful. If you want to find my book or my bracelet, remember you can just go straight to my website, julieleespeaks.com, and you can find the Amazon links and the Cedar Fort links all there right on my website, julieleespeaks.com, J-U-L-I-E-L-E-E-S-P-E-A-K-S.com. Welcome to I See You, a podcast where we advocate that compassion and connection save lives. They also make life pretty cool. I'm your host, Julie Lee. I see you. Welcome to episode 89 of the ICU podcast. I am Julie Lee, and today, episode 89 is Healing Through Music, and we are here with the beautiful Camille, Camille mm-hmm. McConnell. Yes. McConnell. Good okay, job. good. <laughs> Welcome, everybody. I'm happy you're here. We have this new YouTube channel, so hopefully you can find it. It's called ICU with Julie Lee. I feel like I'm always announcing the same news, but just what's going on in my life as I have this book come out. ICU by Julie Lee, How Compassion and Connection Save Lives. And most exciting thing is the, the bracelets are finally here, the ICU bracelets, so that these can just kind of be a reminder to all of us to that we are seen by a higher power, but also that we have the opportunity to see other people. So it's already, I've had it on a couple days and I, it's nice. I can't even feel it. And my husband's not even much of a bracelet wearer, but he like forgets he has it on. So he wears it all the time. It's great. Yeah, it's cute. It's cute. I, like, right? I actually really like it. I would totally wear that. Oh, good, good. <laughs> Fun things happening over here. And just during COVID, I hope you all are healthy and safe and just doing what you got to do to get through. Anyways, I don't want to take a lot of time. I want to switch over to our interview with Camille. Camille, will you start by just telling us a little bit about yourself? Sure. So um, I'm 37. I live in Utah. I've got five kids and I'm married. And um, I have been listening to this podcast for a little while. And I just kind of felt compelled to maybe like reach out and see if she wanted me to share my story. One of our children passed away. We lost a little boy two and a half years ago. I'm just a big believer in like music and healing. And we'll talk about that later. But that's kind of why I'm here. So will you tell us, I guess let's start with just, will you talk about losing your little boy, his age? Yeah. The story behind that? Yeah. So we had just moved to Utah less than a year before we'd moved from Southern California. That's where my husband and I both grew up. And he, his name's Wesley and in a hair of like brunettes, he's our only blonde and blonde hair, blue eyes, like a little toe head. And he was just like a really happy, happy kid, really sweet, especially sweet. And, um... He was our third, so at the time we had two older and then one younger. Um, And he was just like a really happy, sweet little boy. 
And I, he stood out to me among all my kids because he was the sweetest and kind of most angelic. And um, we, we, it was Memorial Day and we had plans to go swimming and he was going to take a nap. And right before his nap, I took him on, uh, he wanted to go to the park. So we have this little park at the end of our street. He likes this little, it's like one of those balance bikes that you can sit on and it doesn't have pedals and you can push. And so I took him and his little sister in the stroller and he pushed him his little bike and we went to the park down the street. And it has this like little hill. It's not very steep, but he liked to go to the top of it and then ride down. And uh, for whatever reason, I decided to go on Facebook Live and just kind of document it. It was a really beautiful day. The sky was blue. The big puffy white cumulus clouds were just so pretty. And I'm standing at the top of this little hill and down he goes. And I just say, there goes Wesley. And then I panned over to the big blue sky and the beautiful clouds. I said, it's such a beautiful day. And then I panned over to my two-year-old daughter, Olivia, who was kind of fussing in her stroller. And I said, and the crowd goes wild. And then I panned back to Wesley and he's far away and he's like under the sky and he's happy. He's so happy. And then um, we played at the park for a little bit. And then we went back to the house and I put Wesley down for a nap. And he was how old? He was three, almost four. Okay. But he still was cranky. He needed a nap. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I put him down for a nap and... He came out of the room running and he had, um, he, the bolt had fallen out of his toddler bed and that I didn't know about. And he had put it in his mouth, which was strange. Cause you know, you don't usually think like four year olds are going to be putting stuff in their mouths. Right. And that wasn't something he usually did. Yeah. That wouldn't even occur to me. Mm-mm. So anyway, he comes out and I can tell he's choking. I was like, you know, as a mom, you have those moments all the time where you're like, oh, this is like panic. This is an yes. emergency. Like, but then like, then then they spit it up and you're like, oh, that was so scary, right? Yes. So I knew I'm a seasoned mom. I've been a mom for like 10 years almost. I knew that like it was going to probably be okay, but it didn't come out right away. So I was like, let's, I, I told my husband, I've said, come up. I can't get it out. I'm calling 911. Like, we're just going to be really careful. Yeah. Like, I don't want any questions about yes. like, did we do all the right things? So I call 911. My husband can't get it out. Um, the paramedics come and he, they worked on him. They got an ambulance. They decided they were going to life flight him to LDS children or to primary children's hospital. And they were able to get the bolt out and they life flighted into the hospital. And I felt like, you know, maybe he'd have some like esophagus damage or something, or maybe, um, maybe, maybe brain damage, you know, because I don't know how long he hadn't been not breathing for very long. We had a police officer that came to the house to keep him stable while the paramedics were already on their way. And he was saying, okay, he's still breathing. It's light breathing. And then he said, okay, he just stopped breathing. And then the paramedics came like within a minute. And so, you know, you think about like just knowing science and biology, kids can go longer than a minute without yes. airs. Mm-hmm. So then he's life flighted over. My bishop um, takes me and my husband to the hospital and the nurse calls my husband a couple times. Are you on your way? Are you almost here? And he's like, yeah, she wouldn't say what's going on. And so I'm like, maybe an emergency surgery. And then you just sign off on something. And we get there. And she just says, I'm so sorry. Your son has suffered from an unrecoverable accident. And it was like a movie scene where you're just like, how is this my life? You know? Yeah. Like, we, how is this even my life? It was just bizarre. Um, well, and I don't know about you, but I would just be like, what does that even mean? Like, yeah. Like how, and I still don't understand why, like what biologically happened so that he passed away. I mean, he was three, but he was the size of a five-year-old. Like, he was a strong kid. Yeah. So, it was... When did he die? Was he in the ambulance when he died? Or did so, they know? So, that's a great question. So, um, 
when the police officer was holding him and said, like, he stopped breathing, um, like, that's where we felt prompted. That's where his spirit left his body. My husband and I both said that. And we even emailed the police officer because we just felt like he kind of went above and beyond, was just so, like, good to our family. Yes. We said, we really appreciate everything you did. Like, we just wanted to let you know, like, this is how we feel. Like, we really appreciate it. And we feel like his spirit left his body when you were holding him. And he wrote back and he said, I had the same feeling. Wow. But he wasn't pronounced dead until the hospital because they were doing chest compressions on him while wow. we were driving up the, the whole time. And that's why she called us a couple Because you times. were in a separate car. Yeah, we were. Yeah, we were not in the um, life light. Right. Right. So they were just doing chest compressions until we got there just to show, like, we're doing everything we can. But. He was already gone. Yeah. <sighs> I know. I'm so sorry. Yeah. It's crazy. It is crazy that that's your real life. Yeah. Like, the, like now, here you are sitting here talking yeah. about this. Like, how does that even happen? It's that's so weird. And such a, such a freak accident, weird thing. Yeah, right, right a fluke, totally. I mean, you look at that and really, I don't think there's anything you could have done differently. I called 911 right away. It's just... Because yeah. you always hope that in situations like that, that you'll feel like you did everything you can. And I'm sure, yeah. you know, like we can always make up some reason for how we could, you oh, know, maybe absolutely. if we'd done this. But really, like, I, I just, as a mom, I can't imagine. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's just. Like a just, lot of people would have waited even, you know, right. it seems like you really covered your bases and it just yeah was still going to happen. Right. It was a fluke. But. My mom, like, so we have this big family portrait that sits right by our, when you open the front door, it's right there. And she, it was like going to be a Christmas gift. Like, well, let's get family portraits for the, for the family. And she kind of went back and forth. Like, should we do it? Should we not do it? Cause there's, we're going to do like individual families and then the whole family. But my mm-hmm. brother was dating someone kind of seriously. And she thought, well, why don't we just wait till they get married in the multifamily photos? Mm-hmm. She had a really strong impression says, don't wait, do it now. I'm going to add someone to your family, but I'm going to take somebody away. So do it now. Wow. So, so she kind of had a little bit of a heads up, not that it was him specifically, but somebody. And then my husband had had a couple of like thoughts and impressions that Wesley would die young and he would check in with me. Like, have you felt this way too? And I was like, no, I haven't felt that way. Like he's so especially sweet. You're probably just paranoid. If one of our kids were to pass, like you would think, oh, it'd probably be him just because he was so special. Yeah. Wow. So who really helped you get through this? Who saw you? Who was compassionate to you and connected with you? I'm sure a lot of people came to your aid because yeah. people are just awesome. They show up. Yeah. Um, but who was, who, like, what were some pivotal? Some pivotal people. Our bishop was very pivotal. And bishop, if people aren't familiar yes. with that phrase, mm-hmm. religious leader, religious preacher, leader, reverend. Congregation leader. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's the one who drove us to the hospital. He dropped everything. He lives kind of across the street and over a couple houses and Drove us to the hospital. I was still, like, barefoot, you know? Like, I, I was just walking around my house. Yeah. Um, He was there. We had, when we came home from the hospital that day, it was pretty, st- like, visually stunning. Some some people in our neighborhood and in our church congregation had gone and bought, like, blue vinyl to, to tie ribbons on trees. They had tied ribbons on trees for, like, a mile. So, on both sides of the road. So, as we were driving home, it was blue ribbon, blue ribbon, blue ribbon. There was, like, over 100 blue ribbons on trees and light poles. How many hours later was it so when you got home? Probably three and a half, four. Wow. And they had... They did that. They had weeded. They had planted new flowers. They had mowed our lawn. They had, they planted flowers, like, in these pots we had in front of our house. They just had dirt. Um, they had stocked our kitchen. They had, I guess, like, tried to clean the house. My mom was th- like, what can we do? Like, do you, want, do you want us to do laundry? They were just doing everything. So... That's amazing. Yeah. Um, sorry, I'm just taken back by that. That's really special. What, having been through that 
what would you say to someone else who doesn't know what to do in that kind of situation? Something, you know, tragic and shocking and painful. I mean, we all are in connection with people where that happens. Mm -hmm. And I think the, the, sometimes the instinct is to like go away because you're like, I don't want to do the wrong thing or it's uncomfortable for me. Mm -hmm. Having been the person that needed that aid, what's your advice to someone that wants to know what to do? What would you say? Well, people just kind of in groups and small groups just decided we're going to do this for you. We're going to bring you dinner. You're not going to worry about dinner for the next few weeks. So instead of saying, what can I do for you? I was complete in complete shock. You know, I was still in like this twilight zone. This is my new reality. Like everything felt heavy and just out of sync and weird. So instead of saying like, what can I do for you? You just, if you want to get together with some other people and just do something, you know, so people would bought us food. Um, people would say things like, you know, the best thing to say is like, I don't know what this is like. I'm so sorry. Like, I don't know what to say. I'm so sorry. It's okay to say things like that instead of trying to come up with something and being awkward and saying the wrong thing. Right. And you don't need like advice. Yeah. Like, yeah. To tell you exactly how you should feel or anything. Right. You just need people to show you compassion. Just to say, I'm so sorry. Yeah. I don't know what this is like. Like, I'm praying for you. I'm here for you. That was the best thing. Yeah. Just the simple things. Well, and one, something I'm hearing from you too is that when you're in that much shock, it's really hard to make a lot of decisions. Absolutely. And so to have some people make decisions for you, I think can be really helpful. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Like, mm-hmm. hey, food's just going to show up. Like, I'm not going to say, Yeah. you know. Yeah, I'm going to take your kids to the park. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just doing that. Yeah. Which maybe some people, and, and I feel like you then can say, oh, now's not a good time or something. Right. But I think there's something so powerful about just jumping in and doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, I've known a couple people who have had tragic deaths in their own home where there was a mess to clean up. Mm. And I've known neighbors that just jumped over there and they took cleaning supplies and they just, they cleaned the house. They didn't ask. Mm-hmm. They just did it because then mm-hmm. they made the house totally clean and beautiful again. And I think things like that are so sacred and powerful yeah. um, ways to show up and see someone in a way that's, I mean, yeah, maybe you don't know what to say, but you can always do something, right? Right. Right. You can always do something. And sometimes people just, we had people dropping off flowers and like lots of baked goods. Like everything was like meaningful. And it meant something, Everything. Right? Even people I didn't know that just heard about it, like would drop flowers off and just like cry with me. I'm so sorry. Like, I don't even know you. I'm just sorry I'm here, but I just wanted to give you this. And I'm like, no, thank you. That didn't bother you. No, not me. I wanted to feel connected to people, you know? Yeah. You needed that connection, need, especially that yeah. human mm-hmm. connection. Yeah. So talk to me about, you are a singer. Yeah. You have a beautiful voice. Thank you. And talk to me. I can say that, honestly, because I listen. Um, <laughs> well, that's good. <laughs> right? I don't say things don't I just, don't mean. I made sure that I listened. <laughs> right. Um, talk to me about how you have felt healing through your music since your son's death. It's Wesley, right? Wesley yeah. So it's kind of unique. So I've been singing and I've always like dabbled in songwriting, but um, it was really hard, especially as a mom with little kids, it's really hard to like focus on your craft, so to speak. Like, I'm going to focus, you know, two hours a week on music. It's hard to, like, to do that. And so I felt like before before he passed away, I would kind of go and work on stuff. Um, I'd go to a voice teacher and kind of, like, work things out and, like, try different ideas and learn different techniques. And I've been doing that since I was, you know, a teenager, um, just working on it. But I didn't have, like, a specific purpose. And then after he died, two days later... I was sitting, I had just woken up and I went to go sit on the steps, um, on our stairs. And I was just like, 
breathing. Like this is so, it's so, everything's so heavy and feels so thick. Like the air feels like so thick and you're just like trying to like digest everything. And the thought came to my mind, just this little phrase, like sweet boy, you know, like, I can't believe he's not here. And then there was like a little melody that came along with it. And I was like, okay, that's fun. Like (laughs) how random. Right. And then these words and this music, just like, I'm sitting on the stairs and they just like start like coming into my mind. And I was like, maybe I should go like write this down, you know, cause it wouldn't like, it wouldn't leave me alone actually. And, um, I ended up writing a song in like an hour and a half, just kind of like, as I'm just, you know, going around the kitchen and doing stuff, I hear this tune, I kind of add words and then I keep thinking about it and it just keeps coming. And within an hour and a half, I had a song written. And so, um, that night I texted my voice teacher. He's also a really gifted musician and you can give him a tune and he can come up with the piano arrangement and make it beautiful. And so I texted him and I said, Hey, this is what happened. Um, because I knew the song came to me for a reason. And at first I was like, I was talking to, to God about it. I'm like, I'm not going to sing at my son's funeral. Like, that's a lot, you know, that's a lot. like m- mothers don't speak at their children's mm-hmm. funeral. They just sit there and everybody does it for like the, the program happens around them. Yes. And I was just like, I'm not singing at my son's funeral. And then I was like, maybe I should be though. You know what I mean? I just felt really like pulled. And so I texted him. I'm like, I know this is crazy. My son passed away. Um, would you be willing? And he was like, absolutely. Yes. And so we got together, um, like just an hour before the funeral and practice for the first time. We only practiced it three times and it was like ready. Wow. And it was, he did a gorgeous, amazing job. And so like <laughs> I sang the song at the funeral and it was just, it was really personally impactful for me, but other people told me like it was really impactful for them. Like the message of the song is that God is love and um, like kind of how could you say that like there isn't a God, like there is a God, God is love. Even amongst this, like you can feel so much love. Cause I could just feel so much love, even though there was so much pain mm-hmm. and it was like in- unmistakable. So, um, so that happened. And then three days after my son died, my grand or my mother-in-law passed away. My, my husband lost his mom. Um, she was been struggling with some terminal heart problems. We didn't really like think she would die that soon. Just, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it was just like, bam, bam. Sorry. Did you say three days? Like three days. Oh my goodness. Yeah. And so we were at the funeral for her the week after Wesley's funeral. So we flew to California for her funeral. It was like, they were just a week apart. And while we were in California, words and music to another song came to me called Let the Angels Carry You. And it just like, it just came. Like, it was amazing. And so I've been able to write about five, I've completed five songs. Um, and it's been two and a half years, did you say? Yeah, but the songs all came within the first few months. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah, they were just, I mean, one, one time we were on a road trip to California after he passed away and another one came to me while I was driving, like, like between St. George and Vegas or something. And I was like, which is not very long if you're not familiar <laughs> with where those are. That's not a lot of, what is that? An hour? I don't know. An hour and a half. Yeah. <laughs> and somewhere in the desert. And I mean, my kids were asleep in the backseat and this song came to me called Cry So Good. And it's like, you kind of like a, like a bluesy song, like you made me cry so good. And it's just like words and music. And I was like, yeah, like this is kind of. Instead of like kind of being a sweet and tender song, it's kind of more like a, like not edgy, but just like, this has made me cry so much. You know what I mean? Like that kind of song. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. So. Mm, okay. Well, now you all could want to need to go listen to her music and it's okay if it makes you cry. <laughs> yeah. Uh, cry so good. Right. right. <laughs> um, so we'll for sure put that in the notes. I want to ask you one more thing. And that is what would you say to like yourself if you could go back to you mm-hmm. when it happened? It sounds like you had 
some really impactful experiences and felt very carried in the beginning. Mm -hmm. I'm Mm -hmm. sure at some point it was like you hit a really, really hard point. Oh, yeah. Or multiples, I guess. Yeah. Um, I haven't been through that, but I just feel like loss is so complicated Mm -hmm. and it's like over and over again. And there's no handbook. There's no handbook. So for you at your worst, what what would you have told yourself if you could go back? And I'm sure you still have to tell yourself this. You yeah. still have to exercise that self-compassion. Um, I would say that it's important to let yourself feel everything. So if you feel like his birthday was just less than a month after he died, and that was like a huge low. I remember I was like sobbing in my closet. My husband had fallen asleep for like a few hours, just crying like on the ground. It was so sad. Um, And just to not block those feelings. It can be really scary and really overwhelming to feel so much. You know, if you feel anger, you feel um, pain, you feel like lost, you feel kind of robbed. You feel so many things at once. And it's, even though it's scary, just like let those feelings pass through you because it's kind of like a storm. It's not like going to be a storm forever. Sometimes storms feel like they're never going to end, you know? Mm -hmm. But you will come through it. And if you just allow yourself to feel the things and then just pray your way through it. Like it won't last forever. You're not always going to feel at that low, you know, grief is, it's like a, it's a, it's a wave. And so the lowest times you feel like you're never going to get out of it and you're stuck, but it's not that way. You just feel that way. You know what I mean? Your feelings Mm -hmm. can trick you. Yeah. Well, and I think that a lot of the anguish we create for ourselves is when we try and push those Mm -hmm. down and like, no, 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 I'm not looking at that. No, no, no. Right. Actually makes it worse in the long run. You're delaying it. Yeah, but yeah. because it's just, you have to, in order to process things, you have to allow them to go through you. Mm-hmm. And if you try to like push them away, then you're not going to progress, I guess. You know what I mean? Like you, you need to like allow yourself to feel it so you're not afraid of it and just give yourself grace. Like this is going to be hard. I'm going to ugly cry. I'm going to feel maybe anger at God even, but like mm-hmm. it doesn't last forever, you know? Right. right. No, it doesn't. It doesn't. And I just, I'm blown away by your story. Isn't it interesting you get to know people like ordinary people that we walk by on the street and everybody has crazy things they've been through. Mm -hmm. And I think that just even connecting with you right now, it helps me feel seen and I'm losing my sister right now. And it's just like, uh, so I'm in this different situation where I'm processing it. Like pre-processing. I'm doing some pre-processing because I know, I don't know when, but I know it's going to happen in the near future. And that has just been, and it's not, it's not my kid. It's totally different relationship, but just some of the things you're saying, they're really comforting to me because it makes me not feel alone because you're opening up about your story and not that we can't still be happy about other things and stuff, but just to know that it's okay that I'm really sad sometimes and that I just don't feel like getting out of bed. Like that's, that's a totally normal Mm -hmm. thing. And I'm sure you will continue to grieve your son. Absolutely. And I just hope that you can, like, have experiences where you feel him close and mm-hmm. know that he's there. Do you? Do oh, you feel him close? All the time. That's amazing. Yeah. That's amazing. I look forward to those experiences yeah. in my own life. Thank you for being on the podcast. Yeah. And thanks for listening. And <laughs> for just sure. And being such a buddy. Um, thanks, everybody, for listening. Another shout out. Here's the book, I See You by Julie Lee. It's a self-help leadership read. And I'm just grateful to be able to share that message with the world. And we're grateful that bracelets are here finally, right? COVID, COVID has just pushed back everything. Yeah. It's made everything crazy. Yeah. You just got to roll with it. That's like the theme (laughs) of this year. Anyways, but thanks for joining us. My name is Julie Lee. Your name is... Camille McConnell. And I see you. I see you too.